Hello and welcome back to This Is Our Story. Very special occasion because for the first time, not the first time ever, <laughs> to be clear, but the first time in the history of this podcast, Briar and I are in the same room. Hello, Briar. Hi. <laughs> we're, we're currently in a, like a makeshift quote unquote studio environment, which basically means in her lounge room, <laughs> huddled near the microphone. And I'm, I feel like I'm basically like within uncomfortable distance <laughs> away from you right now. <laughs> Thought I could smell your breath. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway, uh, I mean, it's very, it's very good to be here and um, very good to be in the same place. Obviously, you know, Briar and I haven't actually seen each other for a year, so we've just been doing lots of catching up. I think it's, it's perhaps tempting for you as a, for you guys as a listener to probably think our conversations in the podcast are perhaps, <clears throat> I don't know, a little bit, I don't know, what's the word, formulaic, constructed, mm. fake, but actually we have a lot of these same conversations. It's very organic, actually. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of these conversations, just uh, Briar and I offline all the time. It just feels like we're constantly living a podcast now. It's kind of hard to separate. <laughs> it's weird because it doesn't feel like we're talking to you guys. It literally just feels like we're talking to each other. And yeah. then when we share the podcast, it's weird when you get feedback because it's like, oh, that's right. Other people are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, someone threw a reference the other day. Uh, threw a reference in a conversation about the fact that I was a drummer. I was like, hold on a second. I didn't tell you I was a drummer. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> That's right. We're kind of sharing this with the world. <laughs> anyway, we're just going to get straight into it because we've still got quite a lot of things to cover. And uh, it doesn't. we're not necessarily running out of time, but I guess the elephant in the room or whale in the room. <laughs> Thanks. Is that Briar is actually, we haven't referred to this. Yes, already, I don't think, in the podcast, but oh, you, you're basically about to pop mm. uh, with a wee baby on the way, and so that is definitely going to be taking up all of your time, and mm. uh, so we're going to be moving on to other things podcast-wise, but that is, uh, obviously means that we need to keep things rolling, and ironically, me talking about this is <laughs> keeping that from rolling on, mm. but okay, let's get straight into story time, and the topic of today for story time is actually... Something I've been kind of thinking about and reflecting on for a little while, and that is the topic of kind of life lessons, because obviously we've been doing a lot of reflection. That's the, what this whole podcast is about. Just think, thinking about all the little lessons that we have learned throughout our lives, but specifically, what are the things that have we, or in my case, what have I picked up from my childhood that I've taken into adulthood, maybe from mum and dad or from other parts of, you know, sections of my life that I still carry with me all the time and Briar and I were talking about this a little bit earlier and I think I, I don't know Briar do you want to talk about the first one yeah I mean <clears throat> I actually had to think about this for a little bit because um, sometimes you don't know until yeah, you think consciously about exactly it. I was going to say is um, you do things sort of unconsciously and then think I wonder why I do that but actually when I had a sort of a few minutes to think about it I realized that and it's not necessarily something I was taught, but I guess it was um, role modelled to us. Mm. <clears throat> when we were kids, mum used to do a lot of baking and, you know, they both led busy lifestyles. Um, I think they probably, for the time, earned a reasonable amount of money. Um, but there was obviously, like looking back now, you realise that there was obviously some really tough times financially. And mum used to bake a lot. 
she used to make meals from from scratch with seemingly nothing and um, that's something actually that I feel like I have picked up on I can literally open the cupboards there'll be nothing and I can make like a really nice meal and my partner's like where, like, where did you get all this stuff from? I thought we had nothing. And I'm like, I don't know. It just, <laughs> you just pull together and scrape together everything and just make it work. And I remember having, um, we were laughing about this yesterday. We used to have things like um, basmati rice, which you'd have left over from the night before. We would turn it into a rice pudding. Well, this is what mum and well, mum called it. <laughs> yeah, to make it exciting for us kids. But we would have uh, just leftover rice in the fridge. We'd add milk and brown sugar yeah. <laughs> and call it rice pudding. Sometimes we'd have it cold. Other times we'd heat it. I don't know how we didn't get revolting. food poisoning. There's no way I'd eat that now. Not a chance. <laughs> we should I've try just, it. I've, I've described this to other people and... <laughs> Especially like some of my Asian friends, when they hear about that, they're like, yeah. oh my God, that's disrespectful to the rice. <laughs> um, which, yeah, telling my partner too, he thinks it's hilarious. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I should try it again just to see what yeah. it's like. But, but we I, loved it though. Well, I was time, like, oh, yeah. rice, there's leftover rice. Well, because I think at the time, I think mum and dad had a really strong ethos in terms of but no like waste. poverty is like a mindset, right? And I don't, uh, this is something that perhaps comes from a, from a Christian background, but just if you, if you don't have much that you don't necessarily have to live like you don't have much, if that makes sense. Mm. So we, as children, we didn't really notice the fact that we didn't have money because mum and dad never made a big deal about it. No. And we just carried on. But in hindsight, there were always clues. Yeah, definitely. Looking back, you can see things yeah. like, you know, when things were tight, it's like, oh, okay, that must've been a bit of a tough time. But yeah, it was yeah. a positive thing actually that they didn't let on to us. You know, things like Christmas, we never really got lots of presents anyway. It just wasn't really a a, a big deal in our mm. household. Um, so it wasn't like we were used to getting, you know, lavished with presents. And then one year we didn't kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. um, so generally we're mum and dad, were, mum even more so, she still is just mm. very, very thrifty. And even now, you know, when she's financially comfortable, she'll still take her own tea bags out she'll still (laughs) like make her own sandwiches. embarrassingly so (laughs) make her own sandwiches to take everywhere Mm. um yeah it's just but it's a it's a valuable thing to have within bounds obviously yeah (laughs) you don't want to be so thrifty that you kind of miss out on having fun so that's one thing that i probably took away from and it's a it's an an important um one to take away i think because i've definitely um use that over the years when things were tight so Mm. thanks mum i guess (laughs) (laughs) well another one that i've definitely held on to and i've caught myself thinking about this now even recently as an adult is to never show up somewhere empty-handed so if if i ever go to somebody's house uh, a party or even just i don't know like a random get together with a friend even like i'll basically try to always show up with something and I never think about it. I just make sure I always take some snacks or, you know, what have you. And even now, because this is something that mum and dad instilled in us from a really young age. I remember mum saying it over and over again, actually, when we were young. But I always found it really hard to, uh, <laughs> when people showed up somewhere without anything. Yeah. Like if they came to our house or we went to someone else's party and they never brought anything. It felt rude, didn't it? It felt so, so rude. And I remember one specific uh, example. 
I mean, years ago now, but I was at a friend at a party and this guy showed up. Well, firstly, he hadn't been invited. So that's already a red flag for me. But then he came in and he just basically dived into all the food that everyone else has brought and then ended up leaving early. <laughs> I was like, what a prick. <laughs> and that was like the lowest form mm. of disrespect. And now that I think about it, I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, you know, people have different values and this is just one particular value that mum and dad had instilled as being something that was really important. Mm. Yeah. And I think probably, uh, I don't, we don't want to take up too much time with these things before we get into the kind of the main body of our episode, but uh, following along from, I suppose it's, they all feel very similar, actually, this mantra, which is very Christian based, but we are blessed to be a blessing. And <laughs> that sounds so corny, but <laughs> well, it is, it's cringy, <laughs> but to, to blessed to be a blessing, if it, if it's not easy enough to understand is that if you are given something and if you perhaps in Christian terms, if your cup is overflowing, uh, you've got too much than what you need to get by, then the reason that you have that is to be generous and give to others. And I think there's something really valuable in that. And that's, a, I suppose, a, a, lesson, a lesson from Christianity. But mum and dad, especially mum, <laughs> used to say this often, we're blessed to be a blessing. And it kind of, it still stays with me now in the fact that, because there are negative sides to this as well, because I've often have felt very uncomfortable spending money on myself, because I feel mm. that if I've got a little bit too much... You shouldn't be spending it on yourself. Exactly, yeah. and I should be giving it away constantly. <clears throat> and even now I feel like a, a pang of guilt every time I <laughs> spend, uh, spend money on myself, because I probably should be being generous. Mm. Uh, so... I don't know. I think there are probably plenty of people out there who would tell me that, you know, it's okay to enjoy life for Mm. yourself. And it's probably more about balance, really. Mm. Yeah. But it's just another lesson that is there living inside me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think we'll probably move on then because we don't want to take up too much time on these particular things. Uh, (laughs) I'm just watching the time tick away. But... If we could carry on from our last episode where we were... Hopefully with less tears. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the fact that Briar and I, you know, our paths had crossed again in London. I was there having the time of my life, but simultaneously depressed because of all the stuff that was going on in my home life. And concurrently in her own timeline, Briar was also having the same experience kind of starting to become independent and enjoy life again, but her partner was in a different time and space. Mm. Uh, and when we finished off, we'd just covered the part where Briar's relationship had come apart. And then I had, uh, to my chagrin or to my shame, had just basically walked out and I didn't really want to have anything to do with her anymore. And as I explained briefly in the last episode, I understand that now is kind of like a, I was trying to separate myself from uh, the fact, well, well, I'm trying to put this into words. I found it really hard because I think I really wanted to leave 
but I knew that I wasn't strong enough to be able to leave. And I found it, found it really confronting because I'd been putting up with so much bullshit for so many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was, on the one hand, it was like, shit, I want to do that, but I can't. And then on the other hand, it was like, you know, how dare she give up so easily? Mm. <laughs> of course, I didn't know the full story in the, the background anyway. I was just purely projecting my own personal relationship issues onto somebody else. Anyway, I mean, I'll just carry on the story from there because as mentioned already, we, we basically had no contact. So I was in the same city, but we just did not speak. No texting, no nothing. And I just tried to carry on with my with my life and try and ignore the the bullshit at home and enjoy London. And I, I did enjoy London a lot. I carried on at uni. Uni was quite full on for me because there was the expectations there were really high. So the, they had heaps of exams and heaps of essays and it was basically impossible to get good grades. <laughs> uh, it was really quite annoying. Uh, but I did really enjoy being there because as I talked about last time, just London is such a, like an intoxicating place and I just loved being able to walk out and, you know, right in Waterloo, just walking across the Waterloo Bridge and looking down the Thames and seeing, you know, London Bridge down there and at the end and the Tower Bridge and then Parliament down the other end. It was just... It's quite magical, isn't it? It is very magical and it lived up to all my... Even though I didn't really have expectations. Well, I thought I didn't. It just met them all and and I just... I loved it. Absolutely loved London. Uh, In terms of what I did, like once I... My uni semester was quite short. I probably only studied for about six to eight weeks and then they had a holiday and then that was done. So then I, I didn't want to go home after my semester and so I decided to get a job. We'd already joined a church there. We'd made a few friends and I know life life in London was good enough for me to actually start thinking I didn't want to go quote unquote home. Uh, and I actually really wanted to stay in London. Like really wanted to stay. And I joined a, like a catering company and it's a bit random actually, <laughs> but it was a, a French catering company. See all this stuff I don't know. Yeah. They basically would, they were hired to bring in all the gear for these really high class catering events. So this would involve me going out at all. Can you imagine, imagine when parties are on there in the evenings, right? And these huge, I'm talking high society and I got to go to some amazing places around London. But you'd come in before the party, bring in all the stuff, tables, chairs, cups, cutlery, everything, and set it up. Well, not necessarily set up, but at least drop it off. And then we'd have to come back afterwards. So that, that would be like really late at night. So I was doing really long hours. And I mean, I was really tired, really tired at that time, but kind of also just really enjoying the experience. I got to see all over London and, you know, even got to go out to uh, Cambridge for one event. And, you know, it was pretty cool, pretty cool way to see London and get paid for it. It did mean I didn't really have a lot of time to go on holidays and stuff. Like all my other classmates from, uh, you know, they would be traveling all over Europe and stuff and I didn't get to do any of that. My partner was very stingy, didn't want to, she was working as well. 
but she didn't want to be making lots of holidays and <laughs> spending lots of money. And it's like, it's... How frustrating looking yeah, back, because that's why you go It to was London. the one time that I really was able to just see the world and experience everything. <laughs> it's, I, I, don't, I don't have really any regrets about life, because I don't think there's any point. But this is the one thing I wish I would have taken advantage of you know, living life to its fullest at that moment because it did miss out on a lot of that type of stuff. We did, though. We did go on, on one trip to Germany. Um, that was pretty... Like, it was an amazing trip. We basically... So, basically, my, my partner's mum had been sending letters to this guy in Germany for her whole life, ever since school. Basically, an old-school pen pal... And throughout their lives, they'd be just sending letters and keeping in touch, which is quite nice, I think. Mm. Pretty old school, obviously. <laughs> Wouldn't do that now. But uh, we'd organized to meet up with him and his wife in Germany. He's an older guy. He was in his 50s, 60s maybe. And uh, we stayed with him and, you know, went to Berlin. He picked us up. From, so he lived in Dresden. He drove up and picked us up in Berlin. Not a small thing. No. And then took us down to Dresden. We stayed at his house. He showed us all the way around Dresden. We drove. He drove us down to Munich. We went to the sandstone mountains on the way in Bavaria, and went over the into Austria for the day. It was awesome, and we did that over two weeks. That was a pretty awesome experience. Uh, <laughs> we had there's the one of the things that makes this trip so memorable is that while we were there so my partner and I we were kind of on pretty good terms at this stage but it's kind of it's also you know when you're on holiday it's a different environment you're not the same people you're kind of caught up in in the excitement of seeing this these amazing places and I was also really happy and probably ignoring a lot of stuff too Mm. uh, and (laughs) unhealthy stuff but we had this um, pregnancy scare. <laughs> no, I label it a scare retrospectively. Mm. You know, looking back. Was it, did it not feel like that at the time? Oh, did it I, excite I, you? I think it scared us both at first. And then she got excited and I realized I wasn't. And I was freaking out. And I felt really guilty about that because I knew... This was, this was like a watershed moment for me, actually. I knew that I really wanted kids. I, I 100% love children. And so probably quite a confusing feeling like, very, I know I want kids, but why am I scared? <laughs> yeah, it was very, very confusing, actually. And I guess it was the first time I realized that I didn't... It's not that I wanted, didn't want to have kids. I realized that I just did not want kids with her and that's quite a big thing to realize especially when you're married to this person <laughs> it's a big deal and this was actually the first time of a number of times where the topic of children came up between us where it became quite a confrontation had you discussed this before you were married like whether you wanted kids and stuff or uh, I mean, I don't remember those conversations, but it, Cause it's quite sure a big deal w- yeah. to realize afterwards, you know, 
or discuss afterwards. Sort yeah, of I mean, knowing the type of person she is, I'm sure we had those discussions. Mm. And I would have said yes, because, oh, I mean, I did. It was gen- I genuinely did. I couldn't imagine it. I mean, mm. who does when they're young? You don't imagine what that's going to be like. But, yeah, it was, I just got really, like a real tightening in my chest when I imagined her as a mother and me having to manage I could see all the scenarios in my mind mm. in the future where of her losing her shit, you know, in the ways that some of the ways I've described already. And then me having to manage that on top of managing a kid. Um, and yeah, to add a kid into the mix of already deep issues. Yeah. And I'd, at this stage, I wasn't really thinking about leaving. It was just it was too soon for me. I knew that I was I was locked in. So to bring a kid into that mix would have just been so damaging. <laughs> mm. Anyway, uh, th- and this was on holiday as well, so <laughs> the things got a little bit weird for a wee bit. Anyway, we got back to London. Turns out that you know, obviously, nothing had happened. It was just a figment of her <laughs> imagination, mm. <laughs> uh, and. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm being too mean here, but this was not the first time that strange things happened with her medically that could possibly have been... uh, (laughs) She put it this way, she was a hypochondriac, so everything, like the smallest minute thing that would come up, it would be like, you know, a big deal and, you know, allergies would be... Um, or, yeah. yeah, she would get strange, really strange symptoms that were basically unexplainable. Uh, but she'd always have an explanation, of course, and she'd you know sometimes connect certain dots that most people wouldn't. Yeah, no, I mean that's all I really want to say about that. I don't want to get sound like I'm getting too personal in my you know I don't want to attack personally or anything like that. But I will say that I was incredibly relieved when it turned out that that was a false alarm (laughs) Uh, and and you know years later still feel that sense of relief (laughs) gosh things could have been so different Uh, it would have completely changed everything but we went back to london things continued on for a while i uh trying to think other major things that happened in that time was relatively smooth there was still the same the same drama that we had that was probably there are things that i don't remember but i think outside observers would have noticed um i we had a wee bit of drama at the church actually i just remembered this that she made a very public post on facebook that about my so my employer just so happened to be at well I'd met him through church and he'd given me, got me this job. And she made a very public statement on Facebook about something about slave labor because I was doing such long hours. And can you imagine like someone's partner makes a statement about someone that you both know that all your friends know, uh, and everyone, she knows that people are going to see this, but says it anyway. Uh, it was so embarrassing. Mm. It was so incredibly embarrassing. I got pulled into the office of this guy at work. He was like, have you seen this? Because I had no idea. 
my god. He's like, I've just noticed, I've just seen this posted on Facebook. Do you, can you explain what this is about? Like, are you unhappy? Uh, why oh, didn't you, you come and talk to me about it? And I was, I was like, holy shit. And I was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, and I actually thought I was about to get fired. Like that's how, that's how big it was at that time. And I remember calling her straight after that meeting and saying, you know, I was really mad <laughs> as I think I had a right yeah, to be. Justifiably. Uh, and I, I called up and I was like, take it down, take it down. You know, you almost got me fired. I was, I was quite mad. I didn't yell at her, but I was definitely mad. And later on, it became, a, it was another fight between us because she was defending her actions. Like, this is something I've been doing. That uh, This was me standing up for you because you're not standing up for yourself. And she, it became my fault. Of course it did. Yeah, it became a big deal but there was a lot of fallout in the church because everyone had seen it right so she took oh it down but it was too late and then the church there's the at church it was so tense and people were like saying kind of jokingly saying things to me and i was like don't don't because <laughs> i i didn't want to engage with it because i knew i um i wasn't comfortable enough to talk about things that i obviously was at a point looking back now where i was starting to see that things were noticeable to other people the holes were there. I was noticing it, but I couldn't talk about it. It was too, it was too much. Yeah. It was cringe. <laughs> Makes me feel mad for you. Like, uh, yeah. It was, it was really rough. Uh, probably one other notable story from that time before we switch back to you, bro, is not long before we were going to go back to Australia, back to Melbourne. I had a friend one of my uni friends, he was coming over to do his exchange and we met up in London and he was a, like, we was a good mate. Um, and we decided that we were going to go on this trip, a day trip. And at this stage, things were not good between my partner and I. We, I think uh, there was no physical intimacy. There was constant awkwardness. I think there was a stage that we slept in separate beds when we could, like when we, we went away for a weekend or something and slept in separate beds. That was a big deal. <laughs> mm. uh, and anyway, he came along and it just so happened to be right in the middle of this. Uh, <laughs> and as you know, she was not able to keep things to herself, right? No. And it was became very, very intensely obvious how unhappy she was with me. It was and a, she always used to, she was very passive aggressive too. And well, as well as just being normal aggressive, but she would say and do things right in front of other people. Yeah. And even stuff like stamping her foot like a child, having a tantrum. <laughs> I, I remember her doing that. Yeah. It was, uh, it was so weird because we had such a great time. I was really enjoying hanging out with him. It was like, oh my God, I have a friend. Because I hadn't had a friend this whole time really. And we, we did some traveling around the southwest, southeast, around Kent. And we went out to Dover. We caught the ferry over, went to France for a day, came back, went to a castle and stuff. Through that whole day, it was just full of tension, full of it. Every time her and I were too close to each other, it was she'd say something or make some kind of drama over the smallest things. And then my, I felt so for, sorry for my mate because he was kept trying to ignore it, but it was just 
so obvious. And then she started directing her anger towards him. And she was so rude. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my days. She was so rude at one particular point. And I was like, I just want to die. (laughs) I just want to die. We've never really spoken about it, my friend and I, properly since then. But uh, there was one, I mean, it may sound really small, but this was like the climax of the day was we're driving back into London and coming up not for too far from our house. And she's in the backseat trying to tell me what to do, like constantly just giving me instructions. And this is pretty normal. I was used to it. I hated it, but I was used to it. And she was getting more and more rude to me and then my mate's like oh you know i'll just get out my gps on his phone and he was gonna he's trying to help him and then she snapped him she's like well we live here thanks and he's like oh wow okay and then that was and that was basically the the last time in that particular trip that i saw him i didn't see this guy for another couple of years uh and i'm sure he didn't want to put himself through that again (laughs) yeah it was uh it was that was shit. It was really shit. I'm not going to lie. Because it was such a happy time mixed with so much. Like that particular trip without her there would have been a dream trip for me. Because mm. one thing I've always wanted is to explore places I really want to explore, but with friends. Mm. And this was it. Going to castles and seeing like medieval shows and knights and, and you know, playing with big bows and arrows and all these like really cool like boy type activities. And then she fucking ruined it. <laughs> and this was not, as you know, the last time that she ruined a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, that was, I think we came back, it was the week that we were about to head back to Melbourne. So it really was a, uh, a moment, really, really bittersweet moment. I did not want to go back to Melbourne. I had, in fact, investigated staying in London and becoming an international student there, but it was just so gosh darn expensive. It was just impossible. So I, was, I just was resigned to the fact that I'd have to go back. And my partner was, she was pretty keen to go back and I think enjoy some stability again. But yeah, I was pretty sad, pretty depressed. <laughs> anyway, I think like probably going to switch back over to you because there's also a whole period of this a part of your life that I don't really have any knowledge of. Uh, so, I mean, just to recap, so you'd split with, uh, with your partner. Mm. What, so what happened immediately? What happened immediately after you split? Um, it's a bit of a blur, to be honest. I feel like I, I guess I must've blocked out a lot of that. Um, I just pretty much spent the, the next year and a half, uh, blocking out those feelings and trying to fill voids. Uh, I was going out a lot, meeting people. Um, where, where were you living? Because last time you talked about you lived in, in a couple of temporary flats. Yeah, so I think I talked about being in the my friend's place. With and the her, druggie. Yeah, yeah, with the druggie. Um, so I kind of bounced around a few different places and then eventually... Yeah, I definitely bounced between different um, flats, but I'm just trying to think, oh, that's right. I moved into a flat with some people I didn't know, but I paid 
for a room. It was a pretty, pretty nice room, actually. Um, expensive, but um, I was earning pretty good money as a nanny. And that year, uh, 2011, 2012, I did a lot of travel. Were you with, live, live in? No, no. I, I was, so I was living with, in this flat and in East London, and I would travel every day to Notting Hill in West London for my job. And I was working long hours, sort of like eight till seven every day. Um, and on top of that, we were traveling like every few weeks. Um, 2012 was probably my busiest year in terms of travel. I did some of my own travel and I was traveling with the family a lot too. But I think directly after I left my partner, I really wanted to go Looking back now, actually, it was quite brave, but I wanted to do a trip on my own um, just to sort of prove to myself that I was independent and don't need no man. (laughs) Um, So I I booked a trip to Spain and uh, did a a trip there, and um, I was in Valencia. And, um, yeah, I went and explored the city. I met people there, um, and it was actually really empowering to be like, I can do this. I'm... You know, I I really am a strong person, and that sort of reiterated to me that I would be okay. Um, and then straight after that, when I got back, like I travelled to the States with the family, uh, to Miami and New York. Um, I went to France quite a lot. That was somewhere we went frequently. Um, so I was I was busy, which was good. What I needed at that time, I think, and. I was on top of like my normal day-to-day wage. I was earning, the family would pay me huge bonuses for going away with them because when we traveled, I was essentially the mum. I was on call 24-7 for the kids, daytime, nighttime. So it was hard going, but we stayed in some of the most amazing places, like things that I, uh, places I would never have got the opportunity to see well, through a luxury lens anyway, um, on my own. What, what was your favourite destination? Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really pretentious, but we went to, there was a few different places, but the Bahamas and Mauritius <laughs> uh, were probably um, my top places that we went to. Just exactly how you imagine, you know, like the Bahamas, just the clearest water, the whiter sand, and actually it was um, a lot more relaxed there. Like we stayed in the most amazing two-storied villa right on the beach. And yes, I had the kids, but it was super relaxed. Like the the parents would go off and play golf all day. And we had a little, like this golf cart thing that um, I took the kids around because we were on one of the islands called, um, oh, it was from Nassau. Um Anyway, so we had this golf buggy. I used to just drive the kids around and I'd take them out to nice restaurants and, you know, I had spending money to do stuff with them. So actually it was really cool. And also at that particular place we had a, um, like a, I don't hopefully this doesn't sound rude, but a, a big mama. She was a, um, a lady <laughs> from there, but she, like, cliche, you know, like, um, what's that movie, The Professor? Um, oh. Um, Big Mama's house. Yeah, Big Mama's house. Like, look, looked like that, and she would come and cook us the most amazing meal. So, usually, in when we're living in London at home, I'd have to do all the cooking and stuff. So it was so nice to have a break from that, and she would cook like three course meals, um, like the freshest fish, 
like fish tacos and and occasionally she's like I'll look after the kids and you go to the beach and so um yeah it was quite nice a lot more sort of relaxed there do do you I mean obviously you're going through this kind of real high Mm. point of seeing all the stuff that most people wouldn't see in a lifetime Mm. and then you know you've got and and the best part of those experiences you've got the luxury yeah like how were you negotiating the fact that you're having this high life but you're also now doing it yeah. essentially yeah. alone yeah how, how, like how did you feel did you feel like I, it was a distraction or were you were just enjoying yeah I it think or? I a bit of both really I think I I was too busy to realize that I was hurting and lonely which was like I said it was what I needed at the time to be kept busy and I hadn't even told my my boss my boss didn't even realize that I had separated from my husband and um I remember one time she said to me, it was just before before we were to, flying out to Miami, and I said, oh, I'll stay the night at, at their house before flying out in the morning. And she's like, oh, don't you want to like spend the last night with your, your husband or whatever? And I was like, oh, actually, we're not together anymore. And we haven't been for a little while. And she was like, oh, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't, you know, and, and that's always been something for me was keeping my work and home life separate. Like, you don't talk about that stuff. You leave that shit at home. But I mean, um, did you talk about it at all though? Like, do you feel like you were processing it or you just, I don't think so. On? I don't think so. I think I was just determined to move on, live my life, um, forget about that stuff. Uh, so I just kind of blanked it out, I think, and did anything I could to keep busy. I mean, on, on that keeping busy outside of you, obviously your work life was taking up a lot of your time, but mm. when you went home, it's when you're at home, right? When you yeah, the quiet thing, moments, the quiet moments. Because mm. I, you know, having been through this, those are the hardest times. Yeah. So, so I, I definitely had those times where that loneliness hit hard. Um, I started to explore like online dating, or not even really online dating. It was more I just wanted to meet people and make connections because I had some other nanny friends, um, but I, I kind of felt like I needed more. So I actually joined this Antipodean group where, um, if you don't understand that, that term, it's where, you know, Kiwis and Aussies um, living in London, basically. So I wanted to meet some like-minded people and and connect. And I uh, ended up meeting... Uh, I, I met a few people on there and made a kind of a couple of surface-level friendships. But I actually met a guy and went on a date with him although the the plan was just to meet for friendships and connections we ended up going on a date and um and yeah ended up dating for about six months actually um that was probably 2000 begin must have been beginning of 2012 did did you were you dating other people through this time as well yeah because, yep, I mean, so, this would have been the first time that you would have experienced the open world of dating. Yeah, and because I'd always been, like, I think... Quote-unquote dating as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I'd been in two serious relationships. Obviously, the, the marriage was, like, the longest. Um, so, yeah, I sort of was meeting other people. And, again, it was unfulfilling, but at the time it just felt like again something to do go a reason to go out and and be distracted and meet people and um part of it was I guess exciting because I had the freedom for the first time in my life to do what I wanted to do solely me I wasn't responsible 
to anyone or for anyone. So that was, yeah, quite a, yeah, a busy time of my life. <laughs> um, well, I mean, because you've mentioned some things to me already mm. about your kind of your quote unquote party days. Mm. And I think everybody who goes through a breakup of that type, a long-term breakup, is pretty normal to kind of go a little bit mm. wild. wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely did. <laughs> So, um, like, what was wild? Because wild means different things to different people. Yeah. What was wild for you? Well, I mean, I was I was drinking a lot, um, going out partying sort of any day of the week, really. Um, and looking back now, I don't know how I managed. You know, sometimes you think, shit, I got in at, like, 4 a.m. and went to work the next day kind of thing. Um, there's no way I could do that now. <laughs> um, Can't stay up past 9 o'clock. No. <laughs> um and yeah, I, I got myself into some situations that I shouldn't have been in. And I guess, like you say, everyone goes through that, especially after a, um, a, a breakdown of a, a serious long-term relationship. It's funny, though, because it's not something you would recommend to anybody. But at the same mm. time, the lessons you learn from that kind of shit oh. stay with you much longer than, you mm. know, if you hadn't, right? Yeah, definitely. Um but then, yeah, like I said, I was had was dating this guy, um, and I was probably dating him for maybe six months. That must have been 2011, so the same year I broke up with my ex. Anyway, so we were seeing each other, and he he was actually quite a controlling person, and he was physically quite large, very very tall, like I don't know, six foot six, six foot seven, something like that, but very large. large. And tall. Yes. Um, and um, we decided that we were going to go back, because he was Australian. We decided we were going to go back, see his family for Christmas in Australia. And at the time, my mum and dad were living in Darwin. So we were like, oh, well, we were going to go to New York for Christmas and then go to Australia to um, meet each other's parents and like kind of, I guess, started to feel a little bit more serious. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of issues under the surface there. And also I had the same year just come out of a long-term relationship. So I don't know why I I jumped into that. Um, well, it's not unusual though, right? When Yeah, I guess that's what people call a rebound. You, yeah, <laughs> but you, you have your fun, but then you realise that it's, it's unfulfilling. It's unfulfilling. And <laughs> so you try to fill the void. Yeah. And you're more likely in that, and more vulnerable, especially in that first year, mm, to kind of fill the void with the wrong person yeah. or the wrong things. And he wasn't, he, I wouldn't even say he filled that void, like he wasn't actually that nice. <laughs> he wasn't very nice to me. Like there was definitely moments where he was, but um, yeah, like I said, he was very controlling and uh-huh. a little bit abusive actually. Um what were some of the ways in which that was expressed? Um, mostly um, through his words, you know, like he could be quite, he put me down all the time. And, you know, it, you can only handle that for so long before you realize like, hang on a second, like this, it really just doesn't feel nice. Like when I'm with you, this doesn't feel nice. And I would, at the time I was living with, in a flat with like three other guys and like we just genuinely got on really well. We'd go out 
to the pub drinking and um he felt very threatened by these friendships and that's all they were they were just friendships and he felt very threatened and he had quite jealous behavior all the things that you can imagine um he said and did based off jealousy um and in the end that's what sort of disintegrated our relationship but like I remember when we broke up I had gone to visit him in Oxford where he was working and um which is about an hour or so out of London and um I can't remember exactly what happened but he I don't know I I must have got a text from my flatmate or something and he absolutely flipped out and um was like that's it pack your stuff like fuck off and um I was like what the hell like I'm in I don't know where I am but he made me he was just he was so angry so I I packed my things and I I left we were staying in a hotel and I, I was just stood this was like the middle of the night I was just stood in the car park outside this hotel and it wasn't like in the city or anything it was sort of out in the middle of nowhere like not knowing what to do like where do I like he's just kicked me out onto the street and I didn't know where to go which was quite scary and also like yeah the fact that he did that speaks volumes but anyway I think I just got a taxi I can't remember where I went I must have just said to the nearest hotel or something um yeah and that was it and he cancelled the flights and stuff that we were supposed to go on and I'd paid like a couple of a grand towards these tickets to go to New York and Australia and um he never gave me back the money he was just like he was just so angry he just couldn't give me back Mm. the money on Um, reflection I mean now that we can look back at the, the narrative of life in your past relationship experiences previously we talked about the fact that in your other relationships when things weren't looking good you were pretty tough and you said enough is enough Mm. and moved on did you find this particular situation harder to walk away from um I don't think so because we'd been dating maybe six months and uh, there were things throughout that six months where there was red flags so I probably wasn't as deeply emotionally connected to him Mm -hmm. um so it was probably easier just to be like bye (laughs) Um, but actually he found it quite hard even though he you know had broken up with me in Oxford I remember him coming around to my house and and still trying to contact me and I was just like stood by my decision because I was like that's disgusting behavior to kick me out in the middle of nowhere place I didn't know it was midnight like that's so I was just like black and white with I was like no and um Mm. yeah he kept trying to get me back but in the end that just fizzled out because I wasn't responding to his messages so and that was around Christmas time so that was kind of shitty (laughs) I think it's like really it's really interesting the people that we end up with directly after being in a a long relationship Uh, the kind of people that we choose I think says a lot about the stage that we're at and the people that we had left as well and I, I think when we get to the point of back to my story a few years in the future from where we are now, it was actually really interesting for me, the kind of boxes I put myself in when it came to choosing an, an, a new partner. But I think we'll have to, we'll have to pause it there because we've been going on for quite a while already. 
but I think we will pick up again as just talking a little bit more about your single life journey and then uh, we'll switch back to me and talk about my life in Melbourne. Uh, but we are trying to pick up the pace a little bit as, you know, we're kind of, as we have touched on before, we're in the kind of final stages of our stories, not the final stages of the podcast necessarily, and we'll be sharing more of that in the future. But I guess just to prepare you, uh, Briar, my, Briar's story and my story in terms of where we're at, what we're trying to do in this podcast is coming to the, its final chapters. However, I also just wanted to do a quick reminder, tag this on at the end. Feel free to follow along on our journey uh, on the socials, something I haven't actually talked about yet, actually, Mm. I realized in our episodes. But you can follow us along, follow along with us on Instagram on ourstory underscore pod. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or you can just look up this is our story. I guess it would come up. Yeah. So we are now kind of across all the podcast platforms as well. But on the Instagram, you can you know, see some some extra photo content and, you know, drop us a message if you would like to give us some feedback. We also have a Facebook page now. Uh, just this is our story. And you can see some extra content there as well. Trying to get a little bit, it would be great to have a little bit more interaction, actually. We've been getting feedback uh, individually and independently, which has been pretty cool, actually, to hear from all these people who have been listening, listening in. But yeah, just to reiterate again, thank you so much for following along. Um, many of you have been following along from the beginning, so thanks for that. And um, anyway, we'll be checking out now and checking in very soon for our next episode. So thanks for joining. Bye. <laughs>